Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks podcast. I am your host, Mike Sadam. If you get a chance, I'd really appreciate it if you could please subscribe to the podcast and review it. It helps a lot with people trying to find the podcast. Now, on this episode, we're going to do something just a bit different, and it's something I want to start doing more of, and that is talking to practitioners, people that are actually out there every day doing some of the things we talk about here on the Crucial Talks podcast. So if you think you want to talk to me about what you're doing and what your organization is doing, please visit www.crucialtalks.com and reach out to me on email, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and maybe even interview you for a future episode. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Today's guest is Jason Weber. He is the Director of Training and Development for the State of Wisconsin. And in that role, he's really helping bring a bunch of different agencies under one umbrella and using a shared service model for their HR functions. So basically, in layman's terms, he's bringing a bunch of people together and trying to do a certain function with all those different agencies, all those different cultures, all those different policies and procedures. So today, I'd like to welcome Jason Weber to the Crucial Talks podcast. How are you doing today, Jason? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun conversation to have. A lot of people don't think HR is fun, but what I want to get across is the fact that it's not just the HR tactics we're talking about here. It really is a lot of the stuff we've talked about on the Crucial Talks podcast with behavior and how human beings think and how people react. But before we get into all of that and everything you're doing with the state of Wisconsin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? and how you ended up where you are right now. Sure. So, uh, you know, my professional career, uh, I, I like to say, has taken one of those unique journeys. Uh, I actually started my professional career in law enforcement, uh, working in both Missouri and Minnesota. And I had the opportunity then to move into higher education. And that's really when I got my first uh, grab at professional development or teaching. And after spending a few years uh, doing that, I had an opportunity to come over to the state of Wisconsin originally with the Department of Corrections as a staff development trainer. Now, the Wisconsin Department of Corrections is our largest state agency. We've got a little over 10,000 employees in that agency. And as a part of the training center, uh, myself and another one of my coworkers, we spent uh, really the majority of our time working with teams across the state, uh, whether it's in institutions, probation and parole, HR, financial, uh, all these different units. And the focus that we really uh, honed in on was team effectiveness. How do we work effectively together? Because we were seeing, you know, the criminal justice field, you know, just in general, uh, morale can be difficult to come by. And it was the same way in corrections. And so we were trying to identify ways that we could uh, really fix it, you know, try to have that, that uh, optimistic viewpoint of how we can fix it. So from that, uh, we had created a new training series, something they had never done before, uh, where we really flipped the script on development training. And we removed technology, turned our trainings into two-hour training blasts, and then some, uh, supplemented them with you know, half-day, full-day trainings. And we wanted to give them something different, one, to bring some energy back to training, but two, to really focus on that human element. Uh, very, very often in organizations, both public and private sector, one of the things that I see lacking 
uh, is that, you know, we're constantly going through so much change that we forget about that human element. We forget about, you know, we need to take care of those basic needs of our staff. And, and so that's what we really wanted to create. So we spent a few years kind of uh, playing with that, building different courses. And then I was uh, fortunate enough to move over to the Department of Transportation as their training director. And that was an organization where uh, when I came aboard, we had a brand new administration. And so there was a significant amount of change. And so I spent a lot of time, again, working with executive leadership and, and also staff on how do we work through change? Like, you know, we, we can talk about all these models. We can talk about all these, you know, theories. But, I mean, how we do it? You know, that's, that's really the big question. And then in um, July of this year, 2018, uh, we received word that we were going to be moving into a shared services model for the state of Wisconsin. And basically, we had 15 key agencies that were a part of the shared services team. And then we had six non-shared services. So like our Department of Justice, Public Instruction, uh, agencies like that were not technically a part of it. But I was asked to move into the enterprise training director role to kind of lead this function. And really what that meant was, uh, you know, it was kind of a welcome to your job, figure out your org chart and go. And so it was really starting from scratch to uh, build the team that I have now, uh, working with all of these agencies. And, you know, over the last 10 months, it's been uh, such an amazing learning experience in regards to dealing with um, perspective and how people view training. Uh, what's important to one may not be important to another. And then, you know, the, the mindsets and the paradigm shifts, I'm asking all of the staff to go from, you know, serving one single agency to, you know, having a more of a global perspective uh, in, in regards to you're not just serving one audience, you're now serving, you know, over 30,000 employees. And how do we do that? And so, you know, like I said, the last 10 months has been um, a lot of challenges, a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth. Uh, but, you know, that's been, uh, it's just been an amazing experience. Uh, it's allowed me to, uh, you know, just kind of on the side, I'm finishing my doctorate in leadership development, uh, specifically looking at servant leadership and how that uh, can apply to team effectiveness. But uh, a lot of great, you know, kind of case studies that I'm living and, you know, learning as we go through. So, uh, you know, that's just a little bit about, you know, my background and how I got to where I am today. Well, great. And I love a lot of what you said, especially what you're doing now. I mean, you're, you're going for your doctorate. You've been working in the field doing this stuff. And my thesis advisors always said it, and I kind of stole in their terminology, but they called it a pracademic, a practicing <laughs> academic, which is pretty cool. So um, what I love about what you said is you are talking about taking this optimistic viewpoint that you've did throughout your history, throughout your career, you've had to deal with change and kind of use this optimistic viewpoint to kind of look forward and figure out what you need to do. I love that because one of the things we talk about here on the podcast all the time is appreciative inquiry, which is actually a strength-based positive approach to human-based systems, which is exactly what you're doing. And the other thing I loved about what you said and what you're doing now, because I know we're going to shift into what you're actually accomplishing right now that you've been dealing with this year, but you said it's an enterprise model. And before we get into the nuts and bolts of this, 
what do you mean by enterprise? Because the way I look at it, when somebody's talking about an enterprise level, like a lot of times I hear when they're trying to bring technology into a company and the enterprise level is really about taking something and putting it into practice across a bunch of different disciplines. Is that kind of, is that kind of what you're talking about when you talked about enterprise training and development? You know, it is to a point, uh, you know, we've been over the last couple of years, we've been leveraging this, uh, you know, this enterprise terminology. We uh, recently moved to a new system for our, you know, finance, our t- payroll and, uh, and now our learning environments. And that was taking what was 74 different systems and then merging them into one. And so that was kind of the initial uh, enterprise kind of uh, definition or application on how we used it. And now as we go into the training model, uh, because each of these agencies are so different, uh, what we're doing is instead of creating training that may only uh, impact a small number of learners, we're now creating training that can impact, you know, again, everyone as a whole. And, you know, how we do that is we've got a very clear definition of what our team's responsibility is. And, and as much as I say it's clear, uh, it's also intentionally vague. Uh, so for example, the, the key things that we focus on are new employee orientation, uh, new supervisor development. Uh, we have an enterprise managers development academy. Uh, we also have a HR certification training program. And then the last two are uh, were titled very intentionally, which is staff development training and then leader development training. And the reason I did that is because knowing that all of these agencies were different, the one thing I didn't want to do is I didn't want to lock ourselves into a certain type of training. I wanted us to be flexible and adaptable to the needs. And by you know approaching it through that lens, that gives us a lot of freedom when we're designing and developing uh, you know, this enterprise approach. Well, and so you're talking a lot about not only different types of training, but really hitting a bunch of different levels of people from brand new employees to people that may have been in the workplace for could be decades, right? So you're, you're trying to develop these programs and these trainings that really have to hit a bunch of different people. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you know, one of the one of the big tasks that we've been working on, and one of the big discussion points, at least in the training world, has been how do we fill in those gaps? You know, because I, in my experience of looking at training programs, it's it's kind of the standard. You've got a new employee orientation. Welcome aboard. Here's the basics you want to know. You know, now go and do great things. And then you promote. All right, here's here's what we expect of you as a supervisor. Now go and do great things. And it's not uncommon for us to have staff, at least in the state of Wisconsin, where you know we would have staff that went through a new employee orientation or maybe a new soup training um, like 20 years ago and haven't had anything since. And so as as I've defined uh, the staff and leader development, it's really with that intention to fill in those gaps. So all right, we can, we can now build consistency and, and progression. So if I've got a staff member who has been around 10, 15 years, you know, instead of just saying, well, they know what they're doing, let's give them new development opportunities. And, uh, you know, let's help kind of shift how they're seeing things. I mean, there's a, 
there's a lot of elements that go into that, you know, with the multi-generational workforces and just overall different perspectives of dealing with new technology and just how to interact with people. So uh, I, I would really define it as the leader and the staff and leader development are really designed to help us fill in those gaps between kind of the intro. You make a really interesting point because I think in a lot of organizations, not just government organizations, but even private industry, there's a lot of issues with that same thing. Like you get initial training, but then there's nothing that really keeps you keeps you kind of going, right? Keeps you engaged and keeps you learning. And I think that's where a lot of organizations may fail or at least may not be recognizing where they can see a lot of benefit because it seems like one of the first things to go when people want to cut budgets or anything like that is always training. But that training has such a high return on investment that it sounds like what you're trying to do is fill in those those really could be long gaps where people get no training at all. Yeah, exactly. And you know, one of the one of the key things that I I see on a regular basis is this um it really kind of goes back to this notion of empowerment where uh, you know staff will <clears throat> put a lot on their supervisors or basically they will react or respond based on how their supervisor leads or does not lead and you know a lot of the trainings that we've designed and developed and that we deliver on a regular basis really touch on that you know that self ownership of being able to you know uh, look at your work uh, through this lens of control, you have the ability to control how you interact, how you respond, how you deal with conflict, all of that. You know, you you have control over that. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, kind of getting that resistance of, well, but my supervisor doesn't let me do this or doesn't do that. Well, okay. But if we talk about, you know, influence, right? If we talk about curiosity, emotional intelligence, skills like that, where we can help kind of empower um, and further define the uh, influence that our staff can have and their day-to-day roles. Um, to me, that's a, that's a big win uh, because, again, we're, we're finding ways to give our staff the, you know, that power and that ability and the, you know, uh, insight to be able to kind of take the work that they do and, and run with it. Well, I love what you're doing because it sounds like what you're doing, and I talk about this, and I say this word all the time, but it's building capacity. It's not just the, hey, these are the policies, these are procedures, and these are the steps and the forms you need to fill out and blah, blah, blah. It's more you're giving them, you're building the capacity for employees to be empowered in the workplace so that you can actually improve performance in that way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yep. Well, that's great. And uh, I'm just going to put a quick plug in here for another episode. But if anybody's interested in what we're talking about with regard to kind of like shots of performance training, right, to keep people's abilities honed and to keep them sharp, if you want to look at um, episode 55 with Isaac Tolpin, we actually talked about micro learning and how he is bringing that into the workplace. And we, you know, we talked a little bit about that, but really talked about the theory behind it on why human beings can perform at a higher level with these little shots of training. So if you want a little more info on that, go ahead and check out episode 55. So Jason, when you moved into your current position, it doesn't sound like you really brought 
it didn't sound like you could really bring anything with you. It's not like you promoted within an organization. This was like a new thing, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that and the challenges you faced? Yeah. So as we, uh, you know, once it was decided that shared services was going to go live, there was a um, going to be an expansion of the division of personnel management, and that encompassed everything. And enterprise training was, again, it was brand new. They had, you know, they had individuals who had done training, but those roles weren't clearly defined. And uh, it really was coming from, you know, an established uh, position at one agency where, you know, as a director, I had a team, we, we knew what we were doing, we were established to what is this going to look like? Uh, I remember when, when I first started, uh, when I was talking with my administration about, you know, the just the structure, what are we going to look like? Uh, you know, we had talked about, they're like, well, we kind of envision you having a team of classroom trainers and uh, instructional designers, kind of like these e-learning developers. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, yeah, that's what we got. And so I'm like, all right, well, do I have the ability here to change this and design and develop it the way I see, you know, that will prove to be effective? And, and they're like, absolutely. And, and so over the last 10 months, it's really been sharing this message of, you know, from my team, uh, the one thing that I don't want to do is I don't want to lock them into one role. Uh, and so over the last, you know, since this has been developing and, and uh, building, you know, I've got instructional designers that are, you know, tremendous classroom trainers. And I've got classroom trainers that are tremendous, you know, instructional designers. And so it's been, uh, you know, one of the things I know that you and I had talked about just on, on email was, you know, kind of getting that buy-in. Uh, and this is one of the ways that I uh, wanted to really emphasize is one of the concerns that was present as the feedback I was getting was, oh, great, we're going to go into this enterprise, I'm going to be locked into one role, and, you know, that's, it's just not going to work. And so right out of the gate, it was really approaching those uh, conversations as, you know, we need an all hands on deck. This is brand new. Um, there's going to be a lot of unknown that we need to be able to figure out. And because of that, we need to be able to, um, we need to be able to adapt. We need to be flexible. We need to be innovative on the spot, really, uh, as we're going with it. And so that's, you know, kind of the development of my team. But then we've got the development of agencies. So, you know, the first six months, it was just me. Uh, before I was able to get the rest of the team on board and before they were transferred over under me, it was just me. And so it really was um, me basically like a salesman. I'm going out to the agencies. Here's who I am. Here's my background. Here's what I can bring to you. And, you know, I had my own training catalog and went out and was just doing presentation after presentation to get buy-in. And it was building those relationships. It was, you know, uh, building that trust between you know, the, really the, I guess I'll use the word parent, you know, agency, the Department of Administration, you know, there wasn't necessarily a positive perspective about that agency. Uh, but it was going out and saying, listen, this is what we're here to do. We're here to support you and starting those relationships to get buy-in. And, uh, you know, when I look back on and, and, you know, I'm only 10 months into it, but when I look back on, you know, where the start, I'm actually very thankful that I had that opportunity to be a one-man show for a little bit, just so I could get out there, start building those relationships. And that really helped me uh, define and craft what is now today, you know, this enterprise training and development. Even though you're in training and development, you're in the state of, state of Wisconsin, you're dealing with government agencies, 
I want the listeners to kind of push all that aside because what you're talking about is something that organizations deal with all the time. Salespeople deal with all the time. Engineers deal with all the time. I mean, it really does come down to where we see a lot of failures or a lot of speed bumps in the road in everything we do in these human-based systems. And that's really the relationships. So I love what you're talking about in that you have you really recognized you had to build trust, that you had to show people and tell people that you were there to support them, and that you started building relationships to get buy-in. That sounds very much like a, a plan for success in really any organization. It doesn't really matter what your focus is. I don't care if you're selling shoes or if you're trying to start a new training and development um, agency. It really does seem like the keys have always been trust, getting people to understand what you're trying to do, the bigger picture, and really those relationships. So in your experience, what you were having to deal with this year, what are some of the challenges you faced when you were trying to do those things? What were people, I mean, were people on board right away or did you, did you run up against any roadblocks? Yeah, so it was uh, this part of it was such a learning experience because, you know, in my mind, I, and I think we all do this, you know, in my mind, I envisioned it going one way. You know, I'd been around the state, you know, for uh, four years beforehand. So I knew a lot of people and I really just kind of went into it going, oh, we'll be good. You know, we're going to have a different type of conversation now, but I've got good relationships. We'll be good. And I was actually really taken back when I was getting resistance out of the gate. I mean, I had some individuals that, um, you know, said, you're a part of DOA now. We want nothing to do with that. And, yeah, and just because of historical uh, experiences, you know, these past experience they had that for whatever reason uh, weren't positive. I had, you know, some that my favorite one to date, and, and I will you know, kind of preface this with, you know, we have a really good relationship now, but, uh, you know, the one, my, my, my one favorite right out of the gate was uh, one individual came back and said, you know, anything you do here, uh, we will sabotage. And it was just, it, you know, again, it just really caught me off guard. Now, uh, you know, those are just two examples, but they really, um, they really shook me. And, you know, as a new leader of, of what I was hoping to develop, um, it, it really kind of set me back. Now, most of the agencies on board, um, you know, they didn't have necessarily a formalized training and development team uh, program. So it was uh, really beneficial, very insightful to be able to uh, say, here's who I am. This is what I can bring to your agency. Would love the opportunity just to, you know, maybe come in for a team meeting. Let's start small. Let's get that buy-in and, and develop from there. Uh, but you know, overall, most people were supportive of it. They were willing to give it a go. And um, we've seen a lot of success. Now, do we still have some agencies that uh, don't want to play nice in the sandbox? Yeah. Uh, you know, are they going to uh, change anytime soon? I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's but that's something that we're going to keep working on. Uh, but overall, uh, it was positive. Uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty in regards to, well, what does this mean? And what does that mean? But you know, we're working, we're working through it and we're defining them as we, as we go through them. Did you find that the ones that kind of pushed back, did they already have their own training units or offices? Yes, those two did. Um, and it, so 
you know, in a way, it made sense because there was very much this perspective of, you know, we've had our team for so many years. We really like them and we're not going to let somebody else come in because we think our training is the best. And, you know, I joke around with, with people and say, oh yeah, they think their training is the best. And, and, and it's, I, I say that again, jokingly, but at the same time, you know, it also carries a lot of weight. You know, there's a lot of what I'm also asking to do is not just build, you know, that relationship and trust and, and all those elements that go into that. But what I'm asking them to do is kind of to shift their thinking and be open to another perspective, another way of training. Because the training that I had mentioned that we had developed at the Department of Corrections was very different. Um, many of these agencies were uh, very accustomed to this sit and get type of an approach where, you know, you got the presenter up there, they talk for an hour and then people leave. And the approach that I've, you know, gone to training with is, that's I it, the training's not for me it's for the learners so I don't want to be the one doing the most talking you know let's introduce a topic and then let's talk about how you apply it how do you you know how could this work you know in the work that you do and and that's a big shift uh when you go in and say no I don't have a powerpoint for this training because it's all activity based and scenario driven very facilitative in nature and when they hear that you know, they don't know, they don't understand, they haven't seen it. So, you know, we can't really blame them for it. But I think that's where a lot of the resistance comes, resistance comes in, because, again, it's a pretty significant shift of how training is developed, and then also delivered. Well, and what you're saying kind of goes in line with some of the things I've talked about here on the podcast, which is a notion of social identity. Really, it comes down to we have all these different roles we play, all these different identities that make up who we are. And when those identities get threatened and we, we create this in-group and out-group perspective, that's where you get a lot of conflict. And it sounds like the places you had conflict with or the agency you had conflict with, that kind of happened. Like their, their training and development units or offices felt threatened. And it almost seems like because you guys were now being established and coming in, it threatened their identity, but it sounds like through communication, through building relationships, and through creating kind of this new perspective, new viewpoint for them to look through, a new lens for them to put on, you were able to, to try to at least start bridging that gap. Did you learn any lessons or anything about using viewpoints or changing perspectives and changing perceptions that could help us that are listening to you maybe deal with some of the conflicts we have to face in our own organizations. Yeah. And, and I think what it comes down to is, you know, I spend a lot of time talking about, you know, just how we view things in our perspectives, but at the same time, I think one of the things that we have to be careful of is that we're not uh, so locked into our own perspectives, right? If we're spending time trying to change other people's perspectives. So for example, I go to this agency and say, Hey, we've got this new training. Um, now that we're a part of the enterprise, we're going to be able to support you and, and continue developing training. And they say no. And then my role becomes, well, I need to try and influence. I need to find my way into help um, doing, you know, in, in helping them change that perspective. But one of the things that I learned is I was seeing it through 
my own experiences. I was seeing these changes. You know, I'm building this program off of the success that I had. And so that's my viewpoint. And one of the things that I learned is I needed to know when to um, slow down and let them have their way for a bit, right? Let them uh, be able to fully show what that uh, perspective is. Because I would tend to get a little too, uh, too fast. And I would say, nope, this is a perspective. You know, this is how we're going to do it. Uh, they're going to love it. It's going to be great. Let's go. And what I didn't do is I didn't slow down enough to fully understand what they were saying. Uh, and, and once that realization came in that, uh, you know, again, there's more than one way of doing things. But once I was able to remind myself and acknowledge and just understand that I need to be more open to their perspective as well and, and truly understanding. Uh, once I was able to do that, uh, I was able to find far greater success with these teams than going in saying, here's what I want to do. They say, no, I leave going, I'll get them eventually. And, you know, well, they obviously don't get it. Well, maybe they do. And maybe I don't get it. Right. I'm not, cause I'm not seeing it through, through the lens in which they're looking at it. So uh, for me, that was that is a lesson that I continue to remind myself on, uh, something that I check myself on on a regular basis and ensuring that I really understand their perspective before I um, move forward with, uh, you know, trying to influence or uh, really share mine. Yeah, and I think you hit a lot of really good points there. I love what you said because one of the things that we talk about a lot is being self-aware and how we transform ourselves. But it really also comes down to the fact that you have recognized that it's not just tactics you can use to bring people along, but it's also self-awareness. And I really love what you said, that you learned that you could, at times, slow down and let them have their way for a bit. And what I like about that is the fact that you're now recognizing in yourself things you can change about yourself, new behaviors you want to you wanna bring in. And you're basically, by doing that, by being self-aware, by putting on a different lens and having empathy for others within yourself, you're changing from this kind of uh, push mentality to more of a more of a pull, like they're kind of coming along as opposed to you try to force them into a box they're not ready to go into yet. Exactly. And, you know, one of the one of the dynamics that we had uh, that came in uh, about six months into it was uh, I finally hired on two supervisors that would be directly interacting with these agencies. And, you know, I know there's a lot of different approaches and a lot of different mindsets about onboarding new managers and developing them. And, and with the experience that we're going through now, I told both of them right on their first day, because after they were done with me, as we were talking about kind of the vision and setting up the, you know, the uh, goals that we wanted to accomplish, I said, now the one thing that I feel is the most important, the one thing I want you to focus on is relationships. I want you to take time, get to know your staff, but also get to know the agencies. Uh, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty. And the one thing that we can't afford to miss is the establishment of those relationships. Because if we come in like a, you know, a bull in a china shop and just say, here's what we're doing, here's where it goes, and we haven't established those relationships, then 
we're not going to win. You know, we're not going to find success. And, and that has already shown, uh, it, it has paid off drastically for us because as you were saying there, instead of us coming in and pushing, you know, we've been able to partner. We've been able to say, okay, I see what you're doing. Um, yeah, let, let's keep doing that. You know, let, let's keep going with it. And as we go and we develop those relationships, then we can start influencing those changes um, you know, if any are really needed to truly, you know, affect the change that we want to see. Well, and I love everything you said there too, because uh, I hate to plug another episode, but back in episode <laughs> 33, I talked about empathy and cooperation and walking in someone else's shoes. And the fact that what you're doing is basically telling your folks that are going into these different agencies to consider other viewpoints, to consider where that agency they're walking into is coming from. And by doing that, you're creating a positive momentum because your folks are coming in with a different role, a different culture, a different viewpoint. But by merely talking to them about how to go into these organizations, you are shifting their perspective and their perception and the lens they where when they are talking to those organizations. And what happens is it seems like you're able to create this collective view, almost a, a superordinate goal is what I call it, a bigger goal that everybody could look toward so that you're building momentum. Even if it's small, it's still positive. And that's what it sounds like you're trying to get your folks to do when they go into an organization that they may not know that much about. Exactly. And, you know, when I think about some of the the positives that have come from that is, you know, we recently finished our first uh, foundational needs assessment. Uh, I looked at it, some of the agencies, the fact that they put so much effort and time into it, that's a win. Uh, to me, that's, they're showing us trust. They're showing faith in what we're doing and they're, they're showing buy-in. And, and I know it's because of uh, the relationships. You know, there's no you know, one of the unique things too is this isn't a relationship where there's pressure from the top, right? Uh, you know, could we, you know, could that always be an option? Sure. Where somebody says, you know, you have to do this, but that's not present. It really hasn't been there. And, and so that's why I think, you know, we've been able to see that success is, you know, we're not dealing with the situation here where, you know, there's, you know, in a, in a, uh, secretary of an agency is saying, you shall do it. It's um, how can we continuously improve? How can we do that? And and by us taking that approach of, you know, I understand you may not be on board with it right now. However, what if, you know, we tried this? What if we did that? And I, you know, again, going over the things that we've talked about here and, and staying intentional with how we're building those relationships, you know, it's when we see these small wins and these small wins are are very quickly adding up and providing us new opportunities. I mean, over the last uh, three months, you know, we've been training now at agencies that haven't opened the doors in the past. You know, for, for many of the enterprise trainings, we're now averaging seven to eight agencies being represented in each training. So, you know, it's little things like that uh, that we're able to then leverage and uh, continue building those relationships. One, well, I like what you've said there too, because it's it's not being forced from the top, and because it's coming from you know the lower or middle levels of these other organizations and your organization, it really seems like 
each of these different organizations with different people, they're coming to the table more as being looked at as having solutions, right? You're not trying to overcome their negative perception of you, or you're not trying to overcome them actively trying to block you. But now you're kind of looking at people in other organizations as, as teammates, as in-group members, as people that can bring solutions to the table. They're no longer like problems to be solved, but they're active, they're active members of the same group, the same identity that can bring in solutions to some of these training and development issues. It kind of lets people look beyond their own agency's identity to something bigger, something that could be more beneficial for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, um, I guess, kind of another lesson that I had learned. But, you know, when I moved into this role uh, beforehand, you know, I'm a very, you know, driven, very active individual, and I want to be training as much as I can. And, you know, as enterprise training and development was becoming uh, more and more developed and the team, the, you know, the pieces were coming together, I had actually received uh, notice from my administration that, hey, we want you to slow down on training. We want you, me individually, to uh, stop training and focus on more of the policy and the uh, really creating, further developing that foundation. And, you know, I'll be honest, it that really upset me. I really didn't like that because I'm like, well, I'm a trainer. It's what I do. And it was a conversation I had with my administrator that I feel uh, uh, really connects so much with what we're talking about here. And And she had said to me, she's like, you know, one of the things, she's like, I get it. You know, I get your drive. I get your, uh, you know, you're wanting to be out there and, and leading this push. But she goes, you need to understand it's, you know, it's bigger than us. You know, it's bigger than just one person. And, you know, there was a lot more that came out of that conversation. But it's that mindset. Uh, it's that mindset that I've then passed on to my team and saying, you know, I, I understand it can be difficult when I'm asking you to, you know, instead of just looking at uh, your agency. I'm asking you to look at everyone. I'm asking you to do things that aren't what you're used to. But one of the things that I want you to consider and I want them to think about is, you know, the work that we do, it's, it's bigger than just one person. You know, we're here to serve uh, the employees of the state of Wisconsin. We're, we're here to provide them skills. You know, we're not here to, you know, better ourselves. And we are in some, you know, in some essence, but the reality is, you know, the work that we're doing and, and as we're bringing all these agencies together, we're doing it for a greater purpose. Uh, you know, if we can start taking these best practices that can then benefit another agency, I mean, think of what, think of the good that can come from that. Well, definitely. And I love what you're saying because we're thinking about the good that can come from things. You're talking about dealing with people you're not looking at this as, hey, we got to come in here with the, we got to have these policies, we got to have these procedures, we got to have this type of computer program, we got to have all this stuff on the internet. You're not really talking about that. Everything you're saying is talking about people as people, as social storytellers, as social beings, as people that have to be part of groups. Now, I know one of the lessons you talked about was how you're getting folks to deal with the uncertainty that comes with change and the stress that comes with change and everything you said so far talks about trust and relationship building and communication. So one of the things I talk about all the time on the podcast is the fact that having strong trust within a group 
really protects that group and allows you to focus energy in the right direction. Because if you're, if you feel threatened, if you feel stressed, if you feel it from within the group, now you're not sure where to put your energy because you've got to now split your energy between looking outside the group or protecting yourself from being stabbed in the back. So it seems like what you're doing is allowing your folks to build trust so that they're focusing their energy outside. So now they can look for opportunities instead of constantly protecting themselves against threats. Have you seen that as you're helping people deal with the uncertainty of change? Yeah, and and to be honest, that's probably one of the most common um, types of training or discussions that I have with people is, you know, we talk about, you know, just everything that you said there about trust. Uh, There's a significant amount of value. You know, you can look at researchers in a number of fields, and they're all going to hammer on trust. And within my own team, and even in others, you know, when we look at trust, where I spend a lot of time is uh, talking about our assumptions, our perceptions, and our expectations, right? Uh, You know, an easy example, uh, if we talk about, um, you know, what is something that any team or the majority of teams, in my experience, could improve? Well, 98% of the time, I'm going to get the response of communication. Well, communication, we know, is, is difficult. How do we define it? How do we uh, truly be effective communicators? But ultimately, it comes down to we all have different expectations. We all have different beliefs of what effective communication is. And so one of the things that we can do, uh, especially when we talk about dealing with uncertain change, when there's uncertainty, that breeds fear. That breeds, uh, again, if, if trust isn't established, we, we spend more time questioning the intent of others. And so one of the ways that we can overcome that, especially within a team dynamic, is being very intentional and very specific about our expectations. And so when we're talking about a change, so for example, uh, dealing with uncertain change, we are in the uh, right in the prime of going through a uh, full political party switch, something that in the state of Wisconsin hasn't happened for over eight years, and it could have a very drastic impact on enterprise training and development on everything else that we're going through. I think that's a pretty common. When you have a senior leadership change, there's usually a directional change. Well, we don't know what that is. And so instead of sitting and worrying and, and wondering and, and uh, stressing over that, and, you know, I spend time with my team saying, well, what, what are your assumptions around this? Like, what, do you, what are you seeing? Uh, you know, if you have any fears about this, what are they? And where did they come from? And when we tie in you know, this communication element, what are your expectations? You know, one of the common challenges that I see or one of the common issues that comes up is individuals will say, well, they're not giving me enough information. And okay, that's fine. Well, a good question that I will ask my team is, well, how much information is enough? And it can come off very sarcastic. That can come off um, almost in a defensive manner, but it's not intended to be. You know, what is it that you're looking for? If we, if we take some time to understand what their communication expectations are or their perceptions of the situation, we may find that we're actually not that far off. They may just need a little bit of information. And if I can't give it to them, then I can clearly state to them, I can't give that to you because I don't know, right? And so, you know, it's really going into those dynamics, making sure that 
um, my team knows what, you know, what are the expectations you all have? Um, you know, it, it may sound uh, basic, but I'll be honest, is this has been so effective is teams that have uh, this negative type of conflict, teams that don't trust. I have them do a rule sheet. What are your rules? What do you guys expect in meetings? What do you expect in this? And by doing that, essentially what we're doing is we're allowing individuals' perspectives. We're allowing their, uh, their values, in some essence, to come out. So people can see, you know, when we talk about as we're working through this change and we're communicating about it, um, you know, employee A may prefer to communicate this way. Employee B may prefer to communicate that way. And as a leader, even as a team member, it's not that I necessarily have to, um, you know, give in and do it just like they want. But if I can be aware of that, then it helps my approach, right? When, when discussing, hey, you know, we were working on this. Uh, we're going another direction. And so I think one of, the, one of the best strategies that we can leverage is taking that time to have those conversations and being, um, being real, right? Uh, being okay with conflict. I know there's uh, quite a few authors that talk about, you know, this element of conflict in teams and, and, you know, how we need to be okay with it. Well, we should be okay with being able to have those conversations. And, and I think during change of any kind, the more we can communicate, the better it is. Uh, even a simple, hey, just checking in, um, no new information, but I'll keep you in the loop. So, um, you know, I think, again, overall, as we're talking about working through change and helping our teams move forward, it's, it's being clear on, you know, what our assumptions are, what our perceptions are, and, and then what it is that we expect uh, during this transition. Well, and I love everything you said, because a lot of times when I talk about this stuff, sometimes people get it mixed up a bit. And that's why I'm glad you went so deep into it. Because a lot of times when I say, hey, you got to have trust, you got to have this positive outlook, that things like appreciative inquiry let you flip the script so that you can have a positive conversation. But it's not about agreement. It's not about, definitely not about groupthink. And that's the danger when I talk about this stuff that I always have to bring up is we're not looking for agreement on everything. We're looking for a relationship where trust and communication is open because you want to have all those different viewpoints so that you are able to kind of hone in on what may be the best direction to go, knowing that not one person's going to have the answer. And I love everything you said because you basically gave us some good tips on how not to fall into the groupthink trap where you can have trust and you can have openness and you can have good, strong relationships, but still have conflict, still have positive conflict because you're able to talk things through because you have that high level of trust that everybody has kind of like this broader perspective. They have a positive view and they have a positive view on what direction they want to go but that doesn't mean they have to agree on everything. Exactly. And, you know, one thing that I would add to this, um, and I think this is, this is so critical to all of this, when we talk about trust and we talk about how do we develop that, um, is it's not personal. And we need to be careful not to take things personal. You know, if, if we have an employee who, you know, says, I disagree with you, instead of taking it personal and, um, you know, for some people, they may shut down. For others, they may uh, turn into a power of response or whatever that is. 
okay, let's talk about it. You know, it's, it's okay for us not to agree. Now, you know, again, it doesn't mean that, you, just like you said, one thing we don't want is groupthink. And if we're running into groupthink where everybody's just saying yes because we don't want conflict, then our, then our responsibility is to figure out where the fear is. And what I mean by that is, you know, why is it, what created or what caused that environment where staff don't feel comfortable in sharing? And, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking and I'm working with teams, you know, they'll say, uh, well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to be labeled that person. I'm not going to say anything because the last person that did ended up getting moved or whatever that is. And while I can understand that and I appreciate and I want to be able to know what those past experiences are, what's informing their current perspective, that doesn't mean we can just skate over it and say, oh, well, they're helpless. But what we can do is say, you know, while I hear what you're saying, you know, it's back to that empathy element. We have that opportunity then to create positive experiences moving forward. And, and so if we can look at it in that sense of, I'm not going to take it personal that they're disagreeing. Um, I'm going to take this as a, you know, this is strictly professional that we're wanting to do it, that we're, I mean, that we're wanting to make these improvements. Um, and it's my responsibility, it's my you know, job to make sure I'm giving them positive experiences when they do uh, bring up uh, additional insight, maybe uh, you know, dissent towards a decision that I may have made. This notion of groupthink and about how people are making decisions and how they're, how they're really interacting with each other, we talked about here on the podcast back in episode 25, and I talked about groupthink and identity and how we can use a shared identity to really do two things and that's protect the group's identity and by doing that you kind of you kind of increase trust so if they have this shared identity and it's not an in group versus an out group they're able to talk more openly and it allows for positive conflict so i just wanted to reiterate that we're not looking for removing conflict what we're trying to do is create the right environment so that we have positive conflict because we're, we're all trying to get to that, that positive goal. We're all trying to accomplish the same thing, and we can do that through communication and conflict that's not, that's not negative. It's not just, I want to fight you because I don't agree with you, and it's us versus them or you versus me. It really does allow positive conflicts that you avoid groupthink while still protecting people's identities and still almost increasing the value of communication through that process. I love everything you said. And we're kind of running into uh, ending this episode here. So before we let you go, through this experience you have had this year, knowing that there are people in sales, there are people that are CEOs, there are people that are authors, there are people that are speakers. Really, there are people from all over the place listening to this podcast with different jobs, different roles. Some are Fortune 100 folks, some are small businesses, some just have themselves and they're just consultants. What's like one thing you've learned this year that you think we can all use that we can start doing tomorrow that will help us build these sorts of relationships that allow for either positive conflict or open communication or increasing trust. What's one little key nugget you can give us that we can start doing tomorrow? 
Sure. Uh, I would say curiosity. Uh, I love this concept and this notion of being curious with those that we work with. You know, it's not always about knowing all the answers, but being able to go into a situation and, and just ask those questions. Uh, be be curious about why do you see it that way? Why do you see it? You know, it's not that it's right or wrong, but one of the ways that we can really dive deep into understanding somebody's viewpoint is being curious. And so if I could leave one thing, uh, one piece of advice for individuals that, you know, as they're going through a change, uh, developing trust, uh, working on whatever it is they're doing, I, I really feel that curiosity is something that will um, provide a, just a ton of uh, positive impact on the relationship is just being willing to be curious. Well, and I think a lot of us understand that because I think that's one of the reasons people listen to this podcast is because we we talk about human beings, human behavior, human decision-making in a way that not only applies to how our ancestors worked in tribes when they were hunter and gatherers, but still applies today with social media and the speed of communication because we haven't really evolved that much cognitively and biologically even though our technology has improved and our speed of communication has improved, what we're still dealing with is people as social storytellers. So I love that fact of curiosity and being curious about what's going on because it really does apply to everyone, no matter, no matter what businesses you're in, no matter what organizations you work for, no matter what industry you're in, whether it's private or public, it really works for all of us because we're all human beings. So I have a feeling that people may want to reach out to you. They may want to have a conversation with you. How can they reach out to you? I know you work for the state of Wisconsin, but you also have your own consulting business. So how do they reach out to you? What's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Sure. So um, you can check out my website. So on, on the side outside of my work, I do uh, consulting on team effectiveness, and I do a lot of my training and a lot of my um, consulting through the lens of servant leadership and, and what that looks like and some of the concepts around that. Um, but you can find more information on that on my website, which is www.elements-consultingllc.com. Again, that's www.elements-consultingllc.com. Um, or you can send me an email, uh, which is jason at uh, elementsconsulting, elements-consultingllc.com. Great. I'll make sure that is all in the show notes. And I really appreciate everything you told us. I love the fact we were able to cover so much. I mean, we're, we're really talking about what you're doing in the state of Wisconsin at this enterprise level in a a government operation. I mean, really at the at a state level with all these different pieces of of really public service of government. But what's cool is it all really applies to other people, other organizations, other industries. That's what I found so cool about it. So really, thank you so much for being on the the show and talking to us about all this stuff because it's so cool that the lessons you've learned throughout your not only academic career, but your practitioner career, how you've operationalized a lot of this stuff, I think can help a lot of people. So thanks again for being on the episode. Thank you so much for Mike for uh, having me on. Hey, anytime. We love to have you back. So 
if anybody out there, if you want to get in touch with Jason, again, look at the show notes. It's elements-consultingllc.com to get a hold of him. I'm, I'm connected with him on LinkedIn. If you want, you can go ahead and connect with me at www.crucialtalks.com. I'll put you in touch with him. Whatever you need, please feel free to reach out, email, Facebook, Twitter, all that other stuff. If you have any questions for me or even if you have stories or learning experience just like Jason does and you want to be on the show, please reach out to me. So again, I want to thank Jason for being on the show. I got a ton of benefit from this talk and it was fun to talk to somebody who's in the trenches doing this stuff because it fits with everything we're trying to do through the Crucial Talks podcast. So if you get a chance, please do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast and rate it. It really helps a lot with other people that may be trying to find these great interviews, just like the one we had with Jason. So have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.